This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And welcome to your Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on 77 WABC. If you'd like to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. This is where we have three full hours, and we intend to make uh, the best of it. Once again, those telephone numbers, 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. Let us start with uh, the governor, Diego. Uh, governor Hochul, now, folks, you are probably aware of, most of us are aware of, this this attempted murder that took place. We had a convicted sexual predator released after he cold-cocked a stranger in a random attack and initially charged with with attempted murder. And, of course, in the Bronx, the liberal, very liberal DAs do what they do. They released him without even bail. Just, okay, you almost tried to kill a guy. You're already a convict. Never mind. Just go, go, leave us alone. Go away. Go back on the streets and see who else you can hunt down. Because, after all, you're a criminal and we love criminals here in New York. So he was out on the streets. Now, Governor Hochul, this is an election year. She's up for and she's up for re-election. And so Governor Hochul yesterday stepped into it. And uh, let's listen to what she had to say. Cut four, Diego, hit it. My job is not done until I know that every single New Yorker feels safe. But they should feel safer knowing because of the direct action I just took that that person who harmed an innocent human being and put him struggling for life in a hospital, that that person is off the streets. Uh-huh. She continues, cut three, to tell us what her number one job is. Hit it. Keeping New Yorkers safe is my number one job, bar none. Mm. We've made changes. <laughs> we have more to do. Right. With our local leaders, our, our police commissioners here, they have a lot of responsibility, but we're here to help them and support mm-hmm. them. So we've made changes to bail reform, but it's all part of a comprehensive plan. I want to over—I can't overstate it. It's a comprehensive plan on how we work every single day to keep people safe. So we're not done. All right. And so, again, keeping people safe, keeping you safe, ladies and gentlemen, that's Governor Hochul's number one job. Why, of course it is, isn't it? And she's darn proud of herself for actually getting a criminal off the street. Let's go now to the continuation of this discussion, cut two. And I'm also asking our district attorneys and our judges once again to closely examine the laws that were changed and in effect as of May 9th, worked on in a very thoughtful way 
with Senators Kevin Thomas, Senator John Brooks, and our entire team to make sure that offenses that have been taken out of previous laws, hate crimes, repeat offenders, violent criminals, as well as gun cases, are now covered under the bail laws. They are bail eligible. The judges have wide discretion to set bail or to hold someone. And I'm putting an emphasis on hold someone. That has to happen. Uh, and finally, let us listen to how she wrapped it up, at least as far as we're concerned, with cut one. Go. I took action in my own hands. I directed the Department of Corrections and Community Sur- Supervision to immediately examine whether or not this parole violation occurred. Yes, it did. You could tell it occurred. This was a person on lifetime parole. And as of minutes ago, that person is now in custody. That is at my direction. The people of New York need to know that as their governor, I'll stand up and protect them. Okay, that's a lot of bull. It's her direction that gave us these bail laws to begin with. Is she and the Democrat Party, ladies and gentlemen, that are responsible for these criminals being out on the street. So one now in an egregious case has gotten a lot of media attention, and so Governor Hochul runs to the press. Oh, oh, I put him back in jail. Look what I did. She never will take responsibility. Neither will these Democrats here in the city, these liberal progressives, nor this out-of-control, unaccountable-to-no-one, unelected governor who is responsible. She and the Democrats in this in this city, in this state, are responsible with their misguided George Soros-style, and I hate using that George Soros thing because, to me, he's like the boogeyman. Everyone always wants to point stuff on Soros. But Soros is responsible for this wave of progressive district attorneys that have shaken America to its core in city after city. And this violent offender who was released on no bail is a result of Governor Hochul. It is a result of the Democrat Party. It is the result of these progressives, the AOC, the squads, Mondary, Jones, and all the rest of these liberals in New York. You know, it's so funny. You hear all these guys, all you, you hear all of them always running their gums off, the ones that are in Congress. This Mondary person and and uh, who this other one that's number three in the uh, uh, Hakeem Jeffries, all these people they get up they run their mouths about how awful Republicans are. It is their policies, the policies of the left that have endangered the lives of New Yorkers. And where are they? Where's Mondary talking about these criminals? Where's Hakeem Jeffries? And then you have Governor Hochul coming out like she's some brave heroine. Just oh. She took action. We're supposed to applaud her? This is her fault to begin with and the fault of the Democrats. So don't buy it. Diego, get cut 13, please, because Katie Pavlich had a few things to say about this, too. Um, Let's get 13, 14 and just pay them. Play 13, 14, and 15 back-to-back, please. Whenever you get them, you can just go ahead and start. 13, 14, and 15. Congratulations, you put one guy 
back in jail after he was let out and should have never been let out, given you saw his mug shot, many of them on the screen. He could have hurt someone else in the time that he was out of jail. And as you said, the charges are being uh, lowered, which means that there's no deterrence next time around for him or for other criminals watching this who are saying, oh, well, if I do something heinous like this, I can just get off and 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 not be prosecuted by the system. Uh, she is running against Lee Zeldin, who is a Republican running on a tough on crime policy position. That's why she's taking this into her own hands. But she could do bigger things like fire the progressive DA in New York City, Alvin Bragg. And also, generally speaking, you know, the issue about the way that crime has run so rampant and out of control is it's going the, the further along it gets, the further the solution is going to need to be extreme. New York needs a mayor, not like Eric Adams, who talks a lot about fighting violent crime but isn't doing much to, to solve the problem. They need someone like Rudy Giuliani, no tolerance policies, broken window theory, and really going hard after these guys. There's a deterrence and no tolerance for criminal rights, but rather more empowerment of victims and preventing this from happening to other people. So do you feel any safer, ladies and gentlemen? Do you feel any safer now that Governor Hochul has stepped in and made sure one of the criminals, one of the one of the predators, or as Hillary used to call them, Hillary Clinton, the super predators that are preying on New Yorkers is back in jail, who should have never been let out after he tried to kill someone with a random speech, a random uh, a, a punch to the head. A teenage girl is the third person to be arrested for the brutal killing killing of a New York City cab driver. New York City Police Department is looking for two others. 15-year-old girl arrested on Friday. She's not identified, of course. She's too young to be identified for the criminal that she is. Accused of being part of a gang of five that punched, kicked 52-year-old Kooten Guillermo to death in Queens on Saturday. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. He chased them when they refused to pay their fare. She's been charged with gang assault and theft. I don't know why she's not an accomplice to murder. This poor cab driver, this poor cab driver, there's footage of it, smashes his head on the ground after he fell backwards being smacked in the face, these five, these five, I am so tempted to call them names that genuine, genuinely I don't like using. But if you say something to the effect that their behavior was savage or animal-like, you're accused of being racist. Those are racist trigger words. So I don't even want to give that any credence. But I don't know how else you can describe what you see here. It's like a a pack of jackals, like a pack of wild hyenas that are targeting their victim. And that's how they, I mean, that's if you look at any of these nature films, that's what that would remind you of, like a pack of hyenas going after prey. These, these, these so-called children. First, these little bastards get out of the cab. They can't even pay their fare. And then they're wrong. And so when they're wrong, what do they do? Now they'll kill a family man. This guy had a family. They will kill this man because these little bastards can't pay their, they can't pay their fare. And now they just can't even, even just say, okay, we're wrong. Let's just hightail it out of here or whatever, whatever. No, 
the guy that's honest, the honest man out here that's trying to make a living, what they do is circle him like a pack of wild animals and kick him and stomp on him and kill him. He suffered severe head trauma. This working man with a young family. One of the perps, 20 years old, walked into the 101st precinct. His name is Austin Amos. Gave himself up. He faces a manslaughter charge. Nicholas Porter, also 20, faces gang assault, theft charges. There are three women also involved with this. Three women. Women used to be, young women used to be the kind of force that would tell men that they're behaving like idiots. Hey, stop. Come on. Don't do that. Instead, these women join this this animalistic, savage response after they steal a fare. These kids, these, these, they think they're so entitled to everything, it's okay to kill a man. It's okay to murder a man because you're too ignorant and stupid and horrible to pay your cab fare. You want something for free, and if you don't get it, you'll kill somebody. You know, I I know that the Supreme Court has weighed in on uh, people that are offended that that are offenders when they're youthful, and the fact that as they grow older, they deserve this, a second chance because they they they're not thinking properly, they're not yet mature at young ages, and I understand all of that, and I understand being compassionate, but. I'll tell you what, I, th- this man's family, what do they deserve? I think they deserve to see all five of these kids put away in jail for decades. And I mean decades. Whether it's 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years at least. Let them spend their lives behind bars for this actual, this, this, this heinous behavior. They shouldn't... I'm, what else can I say about it? James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. The crime just rolls on in New York, doesn't it, folks? Because this is what you get when you have Democrats in charge. Crime, crime, crime. And you get these little, uh, uh, this, this, this posturing, this fake posturing from Governor Hochul, who she, she put these wheels in motion. And now she stands up like a paragon of virtue because she's taken one criminal off the streets that wouldn't be there except for her and her fellow Democrats' policies. And now she wants the credit for it. She needs to be driven out of office. All of these Democrats need to be driven out of office. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. James Golden, a.k.a. Sterling. We're coming back right after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Martha Reeves and the Vandellas bring us back. We're the crown jewel of American radio, WABC, in New York City. And Music Radio WABC is this weekend, Cousin Brucie. We've got Dina Martin coming in this weekend. 
Got the Sinatra Show, sponsored by uh, Ramsey Mazda. What an exciting weekend. You know, I love this song, especially if you listen to the, uh, if you get to the end of it and you hear the the play between Martha Reeves and her Vandellas, the background vocals in the vocal. It's just, it, you can feel the energy. A reminder, you can go check out our podcast. You know, we're, we are slowly but surely putting together a nice collection of musical artists for you to listen to. George Benson was with us a few weeks ago. We've talked with Philip Bailey. We've talked with Chris Jasper from the Isley Brothers. Don McClain has been here. Five for Fighting. My man John Aronstack is here. And we want to do so much more with John. Because he's just such an amazing person. He's working on all kind of things. Omar Hakim was here. In fact, Omar is overseas right now with the Foo Fighters. uh, Preparing for a huge concert over there. And I'll have more about that later. And we've got so many musician friends of the program here. My man Ed Shea, you know, it's just... And Mike... We've got guys that actually worked, uh, that, that made these records, that are friends of the program that call in and talk to us about music. It's so, it's just so pleasant in this, with all the other stuff going on. Yeah. Anyway, let us get back to some of these news stories. Your calls are going to come up soon. Uh, We're going to take calls on all kinds of things. Look, this has been a busy week. So if you'd like to comment on some of the other things, of course, the unscrupulous raid at Mar-a-Lago is still open for discussion. President Trump says that he looks like he's going to be filing a suit based on his Fourth Amendment rights being violated with that. So that should be pretty interesting. Uh, Brian Selter at uh, uh, CNN um, took a hike or has been asked to take a hike. story today is that he still has a few years on his contract with a few million dollars left to go. Liz Cheney, of course, was fired this week by the voters of Wyoming. And she now is preparing for a presidential run, if you believe the news because she thinks it's her great mission to lead the nation into an anti-Trump crusade to get rid of Trump. That's her great calling. And one of the things that I really had ambiguous feelings was looking at Dick Cheney trash Donald Trump. How many of us supported Dick Cheney? I mean, every remember when the left was running around calling Dick Cheney Darth Vader and every kind of evil name they could think of, and they were citing his ties with Halliburton as if Democrats don't own stock in Halliburton, saying that the whole Iran-Iraq, con- the, the conflict in Iraq was just another means of him uh, uh, pocketing money through Halliburton. 
And we stood up for Dick Cheney because Dick Cheney had so much integrity. He was a guy that always looked out for uh, the American military, just an honorable guy. So I had so many mixed feelings watching Dick Cheney trash Donald Trump. And this is what we always get. You know, we always, we conservatives have to hold our nose. We had to hold our nose with McCain. You know, we had to hold our nose with Mitt Romney. A lot of you didn't like George W. too much. I I was a big fan of George W. I thought W. was a, is, and I still think that W. is a decent man. I do not like this this war between the Bushes and Trump, but I can understand it. I mean, Donald Trump is not mincing words. He hasn't against against the establishment Republicans. And I mean, I see all these things online that Trump is no, I mean, that uh, W and his father are no different than Clinton and all the rest of them. They're all globalists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I see all this stuff. But there was a difference, and there is a difference between uh, Bush 43 especially and these other presidents. I just think it's a shame. And I, what are you going to do? This is his daughter. Of course he's going to defend his daughter. But I just think it's a shame that Dick Cheney had to be drawn into this. To me, his daughter, Elizabeth Cheney, and I have nothing against her personally, I just believe that she is just suffering from this, this never-ending obsession with Donald Trump that so many of the Republican establishment and the rhino haters have. And the Democrat haters, they are united in their hatred of Donald Trump. So I was not unhappy to see the results of the election in Wyoming. I don't have anything against Liz Cheney. I'm glad she lost that election based on what she's been doing with this January 6th committee, which I think is just, as you know, a kangaroo court in disguise, something that we would should expect to see from a third world banana republic instead of the United States Congress. But I was sorry to see Dick Cheney in the mix. Some of the other things we're going to talk about today, Princess Di will join us. And for a change, I don't know what Princess Di has up her sleeve. Today's the day she's going to tell us what she is interested in and has been interested in in the news, and I can't wait to hear. Always. No matter what it is, I guarantee you it will be very, very compelling and interesting. There are this, as there are every week, transgender news is everywhere. Todd Herman was on the show yesterday, for those of you who used to listen to the Rush Limbaugh show, you know who Todd Herman is. He was a frequent guest host on the Rush show. Brilliant career on in the Pacific Northwest. He was with KTTH in Seattle for many years, and he's now doing his own thing, ToddHerman.com. He's got his own podcast, his own shows going. And Todd, more than any other journalist in America, and I say journalist, but any other talk show host, has understood what is going on with this transgender movement and this gender-fluid movement from years back. 
He was an expert at it and was telling me things. He wanted to do a lot of things on the Rush show, and we couldn't do them because at the time, I, I, when I was producing the show, I ruled against it because at the time he was a guest host and it would have been unfair to involve the Rush show and the kind of controversy that his research had uncovered. I mean, it's Russia, it was Russia's show. But Todd was doing these things on his own show, and he's an expert. And so he was with us yesterday and t- talking about some of these things. We have some audio today that I guarantee you may stun some of you. That's coming up. We'll talk about that case in Washington. An 80-year-old woman has been swimming at the YMCA in, in, Olympi- in, in uh, Port Townsend, Washington, for 30 years. Now she's kicked out. Why? She complained about a guy who says he identifies as a woman in the locker room with young girls, watching them go to the bathroom. And this guy supposedly is just, quote-unquote, at the beginning of his transition, which means he's still got his dangly hanging around there, dangling in, in this swimsuit, this woman's swimsuit that he's wearing. And no one seems to understand the nature of this perversion. All of the, 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 the city council out there, the town council, they're all backing under the name of inclusiveness this idea that men should be in a locker room looking at young girls go to the bathroom. I do not understand how they don't view that the way that most of us view it as what kind of perverse sickness is this? But that story's still out there. So we'll talk about it. And anything else that you want to talk about, phones here, 800-848-WABC, 848-9222. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC Talk Radio 77. And we're coming back right after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Who knows politics? And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. The police. Stuart Copeland, the drummer here, Sting, on bass. Voices inside my head. Nice groove, right? Have your morning cup of coffee groove with us here on WABC. I don't know whether you've heard this or not. There's a uh, story that comes out of uh, Silicon Valley this morning. A four-year-old boy dragged out of school by police. You know what he did? Well, it's not what he did. It's what he didn't do. He didn't wear a mask. Didn't have his mask on, so they called the cops. Four-year-old boy. four Are you hearing me? Four-year-old boy. Californian father has told how inconsolable his four-year-old is 
after being escorted out of the out of the school by a police officer because he refused to wear a face mask. <sighs> this happened at the Therakoff Elementary School. Michelle Williams, the uh, principal of that school, I'm sorry, he's not able to come in unless he has his mask on. I welcome him here, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I want him here, but it's our district's policy that students have to wear a mask. Have to wear a mask. I saw a picture this week of a kid whose entire face is covered in a rash. His lower face from wearing a, a mask filled with some kind of, obviously, some kind of bacteria that just, ugh. But out in California, yep, in certain districts, they still have to. Uh, his father should just move to a free state. We do have free states in the United States. Florida actually protects parents and children that don't want to wear masks. Here's a, a contrasting story. <clears throat> and this is an editorial in today's Los Angeles Times. The editorial, and this is by the New York, the Los Angeles Times editorial board. They say, here is the opening sentence, vaccines are safe. So why shouldn't teens be able to get them on their own? Well, say what? Okay. California teenagers should have the right to protect their health by receiving approved vaccines without parental consent or knowledge. This is from the L.A. Times editorial board. And they are lamenting the fact that in many cases, state law does not allow teenagers to to maybe defy their parents' wishes and act on their own to get this COVID vaccine. The editorial board says state law allows minors aged 12 and older to consent to various reproductive and preventive health treatments, including abortions, vaccines for HPV, and other sexually transmitted diseases, and mental health care. Now stop and think about that. If you're 12 years old in California, you want an abortion, eh, don't worry, you don't have to tell your parents about it. Your parents don't have to know that you have an operation that theoretically there are risks associated with every operation that you have. You know this, folks. You always have to sign these, you know, release forms before you have these procedures because why? Because something can go wrong, right? But in California, if you're 12 years old and older, you're a teenager, you live under your parents' roof, You don't have to ask your parents about it. Just go ahead. Go get your abortion. You don't have to tell them anything. You don't have to tell them that you have a sexually transmitted disease. Why would parents want to know that their kids are out there doing these things and perhaps contracting diseases that in some cases could kill them? Why should a parent know? No, in California, you don't have to tell your folks. And now they want the same thing with this COVID disease. They want the same thing. Because according to the editorial board, vaccines are safe. Listen to this line. Parents rightfully have oversight of most of their children's health care, 
But as vaccine misinformation has spread in recent years, they don't always act in their kids' best interest. So here liberals once again think they know what's in your child's best interest, and you stupid parents, you stupid idiot parents, don't know what's best for your child. Leave it to the liberals. They know what's best for your child. The same people that tell you it's okay for men, grown men with penises, to be in a locker room watching your underage daughter go to the bathroom are telling you that you don't know what's best for your child. The L.A. Times editorial board goes on to say false information proliferating on social media has incorrectly, incorrectly linked vaccines to autism, infertility, and even death. Well, I have some friends who are members of the medical community, and they seem to know what they're talking about when they keep citing studies that are coming up showing an increase in death in young people who are vaccinated. And they keep pointing this out. In fact, Mark Stein is overseas. He was usually with us on Tuesdays. He's been overseas now for about six weeks. And one of the things that they're doing in Great Britain is exposing that Mark is very involved in is exposing people that have been harmed after, medically, after they've taken vaccines and what their stories are. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying one way or another. People point point to the Pfizer study, and, and supposedly the Pfizer study admits that there's a problem. But I will tell you this, there is a debate going on, and that debate is being squashed on social media because unless you toe the line, just like if you have the wrong politics, they will throw you will be thrown off of social media. So they talk about misinformation. I wonder who's I don't trust the Los Angeles Times for accurate information. I don't trust the New York Times for accurate information. I don't trust anybody in government for accurate information about COVID. In fact, the CDC, I have another story in the stack today. The CDC is saying that they need to rework the whole organization because people have lost trust and because they didn't do a good job in COVID. They're admitting it. The director of CDC is admitting it. We dropped the ball on a lot of things in this pandemic. So who do you believe? You supposed to believe these people at the L.A. Times editorial board that they know what's best for your child? They know what's best for your children when it comes to vaccines? They're not doctors either. And they're every bit as political as any other leftist. Are we supposed to believe them rather than believe parents' own research? Parents who love their children and now being told by these bunch of liberals, these progressives, that they don't act in their children's best interest? Do we suppose to just give it over to the government? The government will act in your best interest because you parents are too stupid. You parents just suffer from reading and believing misinformation. And so trust us. We're the government. We're here to help. And we won't tell you any lies. Meanwhile, we don't know, do we? how the money trail with these vaccines has really worked. We don't know because it hasn't been transparent. We don't know, for instance, 
were the people at the NIH who were busy telling us. And by the way, before I even continue with this sentence, just so you know, I'm a fan of the NIH. I have had medical care at the NIH in my life. And the medical care that I had at the NIH, I, I could not compare it to any other health care I had any, at any other point during my life, except for my frontline doctors and nurses when I had COVID. The medical care I had at NIH was extraordinary. I liked the people, loved the people, in fact, that I dealt with at NIH. So when I say this, I say it with all due respect to the great work that people at the NIH do. But the NIH is not transparent about vaccines and whether the people that are pushing them out are also getting royalties from some of these drug companies because they don't have to tell us. We don't know how the money flows on these things and who's benefiting and whose self-interest lies where. We do know, by the way, that despite them telling us that there was no gain-of-function research going on, that all of a sudden, in this new shakeup, that lab in Wuhan that they told us that we weren't involved in, all of a sudden we're being told, ah, you know, we're pulling involvement out of that. Well, I thought we weren't in it. That's what they told us, right? So there are too many questions regarding this vaccine, and here's that story. NIH in sub NIH ends sub award to Wuhan lab after continued stole walling. This is in the Washington Examiner. Today, the National Institutes of Health announced it was finally cutting off a sub award to the Wuhan Institute of Virology after it continued to refuse to hand over key information about the coronavirus research it conducted with United States tax dollars. Did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? The NIH is saying, okay, enough. You're not giving us the information. We paid for some of this research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology where COVID originated, and you did that research with help from us, and you're not giving us the information. Well, all along, we've been told by liberals that we had nothing to do with this lab in Wuhan. Don't you remember Fauci sitting up and telling Rand Paul that Rand Paul's a jackass, in so many words, for questioning him about this? Nothing, there's nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Well, today the NIH is saying, uh-uh, we're done. The Wuhan, the, the Chinese communists that run the Wuhan lab are not giving us the information about the corona research it was doing with United States tax dollars. And these people at the L.A. Times want to tell us that we're the idiots that we're the ones spreading misinformation, that our children shouldn't be under our care because, no, we're too stupid to give our children the right information and only they and the government can best decide 
what our children need when it comes to these vaccines? Really? All right, we're going to start with your phone calls. I promise when we get back. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. Quick break. We're coming right back. It's Saturday morning, which means it's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, on 77 WABC. Brothers Johnson, I bring us back here on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Crown Jewel of American Radio, WABC. The Brothers. Lewis on bass, George on guitar, produced by Quincy Jones. You know, these brothers, these two, had such a string of success, and then they started fighting with each other. Things went south for a little while. It wasn't cool. I don't even know what the status is. I don't know whether they're still playing together or whether it's like one of those things where it's just like, ah, never mind. Let's head to the telephones, Kemp in Oklahoma. You're on WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you, Kemp? Good morning, Bo. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, you're a counterfeit governor um, bragging, <laughs> about, bragging about getting this one guy off the street. Reminded me of something that I used to hear, which will be very familiar to you, and that is symbolism over substance. Over substance. Symbolism over substance. That is what Rush used to say all the time when he examined that what Democrats would do. They would put symbolism in front of people rather than real substance in anything so that they can score cheap political points. How wonderful that you would remember that, Kemp. Oh, I love Grush, and I miss him every day, as I know you and millions others do. Absolutely. Could I make one more little comment? Sure. I love your bumper music. Thank you. But yeah, could, you I, in, mm-hmm. could you throw in a little Count Basie every now and then? Oh, you want to hear some Count Basie, do you? Well, okay, here's what I'm going to do. What is one of your Count Basie favorites? Good Lord. Well, one that would make a good uh, bumper would probably be Corner Pocket. Corner Pocket. Okay, now I'll tell you one of my favorite Count Basie, and it's not just Count Basie. Do you remember the Frank Sinatra album at the Sands, when Frank Sinatra did the live album at the Sands? With the Count Basie. I've worn out about three of them. Okay, you've worn it out. Yeah, and Quincy Jones was actually, uh, Quincy Jones did the arrangements. He was a young arranger then, and uh, uh, he did the arrangements for that album. It's Frank Sinatra, Count Basie Band, 
Live at the Sands. And that album, I tell you, you said you wore it out, so I know you know it. So we'll look for Corner Pocket, and I'll see whether I can also bring in a song and get a song in from the uh, from the Frank Sinatra Live at the Sands, which is really cool. Thank you for the call, Kemp. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Happy Saturday, happy Saturday morning. Let us go, uh, my friends, to Andy in Westchester County. Hello, Good Andy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Just wanted to give you a heads up that, <clears throat> excuse me, that I'm going to retire in a year, and if things don't change, the Republicans don't get in and, and stop this madness, I'm leaving the state regardless. But if the case, that's the case, I'm leaving the country. I might go to Portugal. I've got friends there. I know uh, that sounds crazy, but the madness is just out of control. I was listening to you a few minutes ago with Hochul, and uh, like you said, she caused this madness, and she's not stopping it, but it's all a facade. It's all fake. It's all, it's all smoke and mirrors. I just do not get it. But the saddest part is I've got friends that will back Biden and Hochul. They just believe they're doing no wrong. I just don't understand it. But what really scared me, again, is that they hired all these IRS agents. And who are they going to come after? They're going to come after me. And I, I saved. I worked hard. And I'm scared. So uh, that's all I want to say. Great show. You guys have a great weekend. But we got to stop the madness. We have great. to stop the madness. Andy, thank you. I so appreciate it. Look, I mean, there are a lot of people that are looking outside the country. Usually we hear this from liberals. You know, every time liberals lose... Their candidate loses an election. They always threaten us that they're going to leave the country, and they never leave. They always stay. But now there are a lot of conservatives that are saying, okay, it's time to vote with my feet. And they've left New York. They've gone to places like Tejas and uh, and Florida because they want to live in a free state. You look at everything that Democrats did to crush the spirit and crush the economy of those of us in New York. They release criminals and let these criminals prey on us. They let criminals prey on your children. You have people like AOC, who they elevate to these positions of grandeur, supposedly, to represent you. And what does she and these other progressives do? What do they do? They stop jobs from coming in. Do you remember that they killed Amazon from coming in and opening up their headquarters in New York, which would have brought... Thousands of jobs, thousands of jobs into Long Island City. What did they do? They killed it because they hate big business. No other reason than that, because they are socialist-minded people who don't understand the way that business works, who've never met payroll a day in their lives, who just rely on the government for their livelihood, and they blocked so many people from jobs, and they've blocked economic development at the same time that Cuomo, Hochul, and the rest of these Democrats were crushing jobs by telling you you had to shut down. They were killing landlords in dreams by demanding that people stay and, and not pay rent, and it was okay. Worst off is what they do with these criminals. What is happening in New York with this crime is atrocious. And we see evidence of it every day. And they don't care. So, yes, it's no wonder 
We were talking yesterday. Someone called in about the congestion plan that they're going to implement next year. You're not aware of that. You're going to pay even more money to try to get into Manhattan. You can't drive below X Street. What they want to do is they want to shut Midtown Manhattan down for most people who have cars. All they're going to do is cripple the economy even more. They go on these harebrained schemes. Oh, they're going to fight global. They're going to fight global warming. So they're going to make you stop driving your car while they fly around the world in their private jets and spew all kind of pollutants into the air. Probably chemtrails too. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, these people are insane. But yet they keep getting elected and elected. The idea that they would let criminals back on the streets to prey on you, whether you're on the subway, whether you're walking into your apartment building, they prey on single women. They prey on on, 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 on people with families. They let these criminals out to kill cab drivers, to randomly hit people in the street and almost murder them and then let them out of jail with no bond. These Democrats are destroying the fabric of New York City, of New York State. And they don't care. And yet, liberals keep voting them in. So there are a lot of people who said, you know what, I'm done. This is getting tired. I want to get out of here. I want to go to a state where people actually care. I want to move to Tejas. I want to move to Florida. I want to move anywhere where, number one, I'm not paying as much in taxes, Number two, I feel protected because this lawlessness is not supported by a political party and where there's a semblance of reality. So can you blame people for wanting to escape? I know I can't. Ralph, New Jersey, you're on Boston Early Saturday Morning, Radio Extravaganza. Go ahead. Well, well uh, I consider Richard Cheney a despicable, deplorable individual who is, you know, uh, taking down President Trump to elevate himself up, supposedly to help out, uh, you know, Elizabeth Cheney, who is running in, in the Wyoming uh, primary. Well, that backfired, and that didn't quite work out. So this is, we're going into the situation with President Trump right now, okay? And I'm sure I'm not the only person asking the question, Bo, okay? And the question that most everyone in this country is asking is this, all right? Does equal justice under the law, the rule of law, no one is above the law, it still applies at this point and time in this country? Or this is just nothing but... The answer is no. The answer is no. There is no equal justice under the law. There is just us which is the law is put for just us conservatives and Republicans, and Democrats get away with what they want to get away with, and they can go scot-free, whether it's their criminals on the street or whether it's their criminals in Congress or their criminals in the FBI and DOJ. Our number one, done. We've got so much more to go. There's a great column a story actually about the FBI and the Federalists today. It is a lengthy story. We'll deal with that. Deal with more. Princess Die coming up. And your calls. If you're on hold, stay on hold. We will get to you. And we'll be back for hour number two right after this.
It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And here we are, our number duo. It's Saturday morning. Welcome to our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. You want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC, 800 848 Princess Di will join us a little bit later. You know, Elon Musk uh, was speaking before Republican lawmakers. He There was a donor's retreat, and they invited him to speak. It's hosted by Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader in Jackson, Wyoming, of all places. Uh, McCarthy called Elon Musk the Thomas Edison of our time. Musk told the, the Republicans gathered there that Republicans' fortunes would improve if they somehow or another stayed out of people's bedrooms. And at the same time, he said Democrats ought to stay out of people's wallets. So, Ollett's remark drew a lot of, drew a lot of laughter. I don't know whether he got a few laughs off the idea that Democrats should, that Republicans should stay out of people's bedrooms, but I would counter that it's not the Republicans in people's bedrooms. This is a charge that has been levied against Republicans for decades. It is not Republicans that are in your bedroom. Democrats have been in your bedroom, too, for years. In fact, they're starting young in your bedroom. They're in your kid's bedroom. Telling your kid that at age two, three, four years old, if they want to be a girl when they're a boy, that they should just say that they're a, a girl or whatever and just change their gender. Who's doing all of this? It's not Republicans. Republicans are usually on the defense. They're saying, leave us alone. Let us run our families. Let us run our lives the way that we want to run our lives. It's Democrats that are intrusive into everything, every aspect of life. They'll tell you what you can drive and what you can't drive. They'll tell you what they want you to drive and what they don't want you to drive because you might be harming the earth. They'll tell you that you should stay out of your children's, you should stay out of your children's lives when it comes to sexuality, even when they're two and three years old. We've got an example today about abortion. Now, that's the one where usually Republicans get told to stay out of people's lives because, you know, you don't have a right to tell me what's going on with my body. I pointed out many times, and I'll continue to point out that that is a specious argument. No one is telling women what to do with their body. What we're saying is that the body of someone else living inside that woman's body for a mere nine months should be protected. That's what the real argument. <clears throat> that's what the real argument is about. Excuse me. Not their body, someone else's body, the body of a baby. Now I want you to hear. We have we had to do. Scott Sokol, chief engineer, had to really work on this, and hopefully we didn't miss anything because this, what you're about to hear, was riddled with curse words. It was f bombs. 
and the P word, the P word that refers to women's genitalia throughout. This is a podcast, two women liberals having a discussion about abortion and not just about abortion, about abortion fetish, how that they, how, how it'll speak for itself. Warning. If you have small kids around, you may just want to tell them, hey, close your ears for a minute. Okay? But listen to these two liberal women talk about abortion and what abortion they like to see an abortion fetish grow in this country. Hit it, Scott. Between the two, having experienced both, I'm very much like, you know what? The surgical one was pretty big, girl. I did it without the anesthesia. Well, the local anesthesia. Mm-hmm. I didn't go under. Like, I stayed awake. I wanted the whole experience of it. I'm like, I want to look into your face when you're sucking that out of my body. That's f- kind of hot. <sighs> Why you're is like that, that hot? While I'm, like, up like, in freaking stirrups, and I'm just, like, <sighs> 21, and just, like, mmm. But your f- yeah. looked really good where they pulled that dead baby out of it. Yeah, you know, they just this could be a fetish. Wait a minute. Vacuum the whole thing out. Wait a minute. Only, Does abortion spa also have an OnlyFans? OnlyFans abortions to help women pay for their f-ing abortions. If people are into that, there's a fetish for that, to watch bloody f-ing guts come out of a f-ing. Somebody is into that. Is this how we make abortions okay in capitalism? Is it is because like then, we've got to find a way to not only, you know, the doctors are getting paid and it's safe and that, yes, 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 yes. But also... Let's feed it back to into the, the machine the and like get the com- OnlyFans going. OnlyFans yeah. paying the insurance companies. You know that there is somebody that would <laughs> to watching a dead baby come out of. A Thinking about it, the more I'm really looking forward to Porn Thirty today. Oh yeah, yeah. But we don't have any abortions. I'm so sorry. There's, we, we need to create an animated like fetish sub genre of like abortion porn. If you're thinking of it, there's got to already be a porn. <sighs> well, it's probably on like the deep web. I have to go like looking on tour for it. Yeah. So to put in context, in case you missed some of that, you're like, I, they're joking about dead babies coming out of a woman's pee and the effing abortion, what they love to see, sucking the, 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 the dead baby out of the pee of the, you know, that, that word for a woman's genitalia. This is what the left is today. Now, we liberals of TikTok, this woman that does liberals of TikTok, put this up. She's put up many things. Do you know that Facebook this week got rid of her? And that's a whole... It is, it is so duplicitous what they did to shut her down. She reported that Boston Children's Hospital was allowing hysterectomies to be performed on young people. She did not give an age. The claim was then amplified in the mainstream press that Libs of TikToks was, was suggesting that Boston Children's Hospital was giving hysterectomies to people under 18. She never said that. But that's the, that lie was published 
in so many different publications on the left. And so Facebook blocked her after people at Boston Children's Hospital claimed it was inaccurate and claimed they were being threatened by people because of that posting. It was a lie to begin with. Lives of TikTok never said that. But they do on Libs of TikTok. That's where we got this from. That's where we get so many others. Not what we think they're saying, but what these liberals are saying in their own words. And that's what makes Libs of TikTok so dangerous because she's going out and scouring TikTok and finding all this stuff and putting it for everybody to listen to and to view. This is a video, and you should see these two laughing and giggling their way through this idea that abortion should be made into a fetish, something to be enjoyed, enjoy the experience of it, enjoy that dead baby being sucked out of your P-U-S-S blank. Scott, I want you to play this thing one more time. Now, again, you have the context of it. Listen to what these liberal women are laughing about. Between the two, having experienced both, I'm very much like, you know what? The surgical one was pretty big, girl. I did it without the anesthesia. Well, local anesthesia. Mm -hmm. I didn't go under. Like, I stayed awake. I wanted the whole experience of it. I'm like, I want to look into your face when you're sucking that out of my body. That's kind of hot. Why is that that? While I'm, like, up in fucking stirrups, and I'm just like... (sighs) 21 and just like mm. but your yeah. looked really good where they pulled that dead baby out of it yeah you know they just this could be a fetish wait a minute vacuum the whole thing out wait a minute only, does abortion spa also have an only fans only fans abortions to help women pay for their abortions if people are into that there's a fetish for that to watch bloody guts come out of a Somebody is into that. Is this how we make abortions okay in capitalism? Is it is like the, we've got to find a way to not only, you know, the doctors are getting paid and it's safe and that, yes, 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 but yes. But also, let's feed it back to into the, the machine the and like get the com- OnlyFans going. OnlyFans yeah. paying the insurance companies. You know that there's somebody that would to watching a dead baby come out of a Thinking about it, the more I'm really looking forward to Porn 30 today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We don't have any abortions. I'm so sorry. We we need to create an animated, like, fetish subgenre of, like, abortion porn. If you're thinking of it, there's got to already be a porn. (sighs) Well, it's probably on, like, the deep web. I have to go, like, looking on tour for it. Yeah. This is the left, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, on that Boston Children's Hospital, Fox News ran a story about what they do at that hospital, including doing um, mastectomies on girls as young, and some of them still in their teenage years, with this whole gender, you know, what they call gender affirmation. You know, they always pick some lovely term to describe the evil that they do. And I'm not saying by the way, that all gender transformations are evil. I am saying that if you're dealing with young children who are not mature enough to make a life-altering choice that is irreversible, 
that to me, that is evil. Consenting adults who are fairly informed, I've said it over and over again, I do not deny body dysphoria. I totally understand it. That as a concept, I understand how it could be and how it is for many people who just don't like their bodies. I get that. But I think we need to have consenting adults, not children, deciding because the stakes are so high in children that to do this while they are still immature is a form of child abuse. Marjorie Taylor Greene, by the way, is offering legislation that would require these surgeries be done on consenting adults, not on children. It'll be interesting to see how that is vilified in the days ahead, because you know it will be. But then you have these people on the left. You hear the way they talk about these things. You hear the way these two women are talking about making abortion a fetish. This is what today's left is about. And my friends, when I use the word evil to describe some of it, I'm not kidding. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back. More of your calls coming up, too. So please don't go away. We've got a lot more to cover this morning. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, is on 77 WABC. WABC. Talk Radio 77 Chicago brings us back. Yeah, you know, Chicago is still playing. In fact, they tour with Earth, Wind, and Fire every now and again. Yeah, interesting show that they put them both. And then they they perform separately, and then in the end, both groups join together and give a performance. It's amazing, actually. You know, speaking of what we just talked about, these, these two liberals trying to create an abortion fetish, The abortion advocacy group Planned Parenthood is going to pour $50 million into the midterm elections. What they're trying to do is stir people up over Roe v. Wade and see if they can drive the vote there. Now, I don't think they're going to be successful with House elections, but Mitch McConnell is already signaling, signaling that the Senate is going to be in trouble. He's blaming it on a weaker caliber of 
of of of those that are running on the Republican side. He won't name names, but apparently he's pretty upset that a lot of the Trump picks for Senate races have actually won the primaries and will be running. And so he's hedging his bets to say that they won't. Republicans will not win the Senate or may not. He's trying to downplay the chances that Republicans will take over the Senate. Let's go back to the telephones. Christine, Middletown, Connecticut. Christine, thanks for waiting. How are you this morning? Hi, James. Good morning. Um, I heard you when I was driving around yesterday um, with Todd Herman, and he, along with Ken Matthews, I always thought they did a good job when they filled in for Rush. Absolutely. You know, uh, things were quieter for us in the trans community when Trump was in office. seemed like the moment Biden took over. Things escalated. Now um, we're spotlights on us, a lot of scrutiny. And a lot of these policies are coming from right from him and the, and the fellow Democrats, you know, with the SEL in the schools, which I hate, uh, which leads to kids getting schools on themselves, taken to, to medicate minor age kids, even surgery. Then you have that child abuser, Rachel Levine, advocating it, too. I mean, and she's part of the Biden administration. Yes, she is. Yes. Let me ask you a question. Uh, Christine, you're you're trans. Let me ask you a question. This situation in in Washington state, this 80-year-old woman has been swimming at the YMCA there for over 35 years, she says. She's taking a shower. All of a sudden, she hears a male voice. And the male voice is talking to girls who are in the bathroom, some of them using the bathroom. And she finally comes and confronts the person. She asks him up front, do you have a penis? And he tells her, your business. And the woman just tells him, get out, get out of here. These are young girls using the bathroom. You shouldn't be in here. The YMCA kicks her out, and now they've suspended her permanently, the 80-year-old woman who raised an objection to this. Just, Just the other day, there was a press conference in Washington State, and about 200, quote, unquote, trans activists showed up. They intimidated this woman. They tried to take her microphone. They tried to disrupt the event, including doing some minor vandalism, snatching things, and et cetera, et cetera. The police apparently were there but did nothing to stop all of this. Now, what is your take, Christine? Again, you are transgender. You know what it's like. What's your take on this idea that a transgender quote-unquote, a man that wants to identify as a woman, he still has his penis, he's in the bathroom, a grown man watching little girls as they're in the bathroom, in the locker room. What is your take on that? Well, I, I called Greg Kelly about this the other day. What if, if this happened to me, no one in the world would have known this would have happened. Because I would have smoothed, I would did my best to smooth these things out quietly with this woman. Um, I would explain that I'm, a, I'm non-operative, 
I've had two eye operations at Yale that went wrong on my eye. So I'm permanently blinded or had permanent damage. So I'm scared to death of a more invasive surgery down there. I'm on um, a um, spironolactone for two and a half years. That takes care of, that makes the parts down below useless. I don't know about this person. I think it's absolutely wrong that she got suspended and it came to this. You know, we cannot silence other people's opinion. You know, that's what's wrong with this country. These activists, they're following this uh, communist playbook and it's wrong. Hmm. Let me ask you a question about what you said. You know, your parts down there you said are useless. Do you miss having a This is a really intrusive question, so I apologize if you, and if you don't want to answer it, I understand. Do you miss having an active life, or are you okay with this? I mean, but how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that aspect of your life being gone? Sir, you know, because I've always had a female brain, a female heart and soul. So those parts not working the way it's supposed to be. You know, even if I did have TRS, it doesn't change the fact that I was born male. So I'm a, I'm a woman, but a woman with an asterisk. So I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Christine, we always love hearing from you. You you just bring hope to the world that people can get along and that people don't have to always be acrimonious and at each other's points, throats, even on these kind of issues. You know, and I hope we get to a place like that in this country. I'm, you know, so many of us are just tired of the fighting all the time, these endless fights. It's like, why can't people, I'm not doing a Rodney King here, but it's just like, isn't there some way that, um, I think most people, at least on the Republican side, are kind of live and let live. Don't bother me. Don't bother my family. Leave us alone. I don't want government intrusion in my life. You do you, I'll do me. And that's kind of the attitude I think a lot of Republicans have. Uh, do you have that kind of attitude too? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to, no one wants my life. I'm not trying to force anything down anyone's throat. God, I wish I never had this for you. Life would have been easy. You wake up in the day, people want a syringe and this and that. Heaven forbid, why would anyone want this? So, you know, I'm dealing with a medical and mental disease the best I can. I just want to coexist in life without any, you know, there's too much division in this world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Christine, always a pleasure to hear from you. And I I appreciate the fact that you call and that you listen regularly. Thank you so much for the call. Thank you. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, we're here. Let's go to Felix in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Welcome. You're on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, Felix. How are you? Yes, sir. I'm all right. How are you, sir? I'm good. Are you having your coffee? What's going on, Felix? No, I'm trying to have some breakfast, but uh, you're the man that I wanted to talk to. Mm-hmm. Concerning about um, Kathy Holcomb administration. Yeah. Um. I have a case against her in the state Supreme Court, and uh, she hasn't even uh, resolved my issues concerning what's going on. And uh, 
the whole Democratic Party, what you were saying on the radio, is the truth. They're all corrupt. You understand what I'm saying? I do. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I was a peace officer for 14 years. I worked for the city of New York. I got assaulted on the job. Almost got killed. I had to retire due to my injuries that I sustained on the job. My co-worker, Adam, was not so unfortunate. He got body slammed against the wall. He went into a coma, and he died in Woodhall Hospital. I'm lucky to be here telling you my story. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, Felix. And, and I have tried to reach out to these corrupt, democratic, public officials. And they, they, they are the ones who are being violating my constitutional rights for 22 years. You know AOC administration? Hmm. Well, she doesn't I have her... her... I yes. went to her office. This happened... March 13, 2019, to submit a letter to her administration. I did submit it. A week later, there was five Capitol Police knocking on my door in the morning around 10 o'clock. She sent sent the Capitol Police to my house to investigate me. You understand what I'm saying? And right now, I just sent out a certified letter to this guy, Merrick Garland. Oh, well, good luck getting him. I do. Good luck getting Merrick Garland because I tell you what, the DOJ is just to me as corrupt as any agency that this government has ever had. And yes, two tiers of justice. And yes, the Democrats are every bit as corrupt as I say they are, and even worse. Good luck with your lawsuit with Governor Hochul. Good luck with, and, and thankfully, as you said, you lost a partner. Your partner lost his life. Thank goodness you didn't. And we're glad to hear from you. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerly. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We're coming back right after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, is on 77 WABC. E-L-O. WABC Talk Radio 77 New York. Electric Light Orchestra brings us back. This is the uh, Washington Post, ladies and gentlemen. Again, the editorial board. I love going through these editorial boards, whether it be the Los Angeles Times or WAPO or the New York Times, because that's where you really get a sense of uh, the people that are actually running the newspaper, how they want you to think. Now, this one in the Washington Post refers to the CDC, and this is something we brought up a little while ago. The CDC is is now saying, look, we blew it, and we're going to do an overhaul. Battered by criticism of its response to the COVID-19 pandemic, the Centers for 
Disease Control and Prevention on Wednesday announced an overhaul. Their director, Rochelle Walensky, correctly recognized that the agency must become more action-oriented, clear in messaging, and better grounded in data and laboratory science. That's a start. But there are also larger, urgent questions about the nation's public health system that cannot remain unaddressed if the country is going to fight the next pandemic. I wonder when that one's going to happen. Or is it happening already with this monkeypox business? Now, Dr. Walensky said, to be frank, we're responsible for some pretty dramatic, pretty public mistakes. From testing to data to communications. She told CDC employees in a video message that the agency dropped the ball on developing an early diagnostic test for the coronavirus. Once a trusted source of public information nationally and globally, in the first year of chaos and confusion, it went quiet under pressure from the Trump White House. Do you believe that? These guys just have to blame Trump. Under the Biden administration, which promised competence and science-based policies, guidance and decision-making from the CDC on masking, isolation, booster doses, have been repeatedly faulted as slow, opaque, confusing. Do you trust the CDC? So now they're going to do an overhaul. uh, overhaul. They're going to fix all of these problems. Never once does the Washington Post editorial board acknowledge what really happened during this pandemic and what is happening right now. Right now, there are doctors all across this country and nurses who are trying to raise the alarm on what they consider to be a flawed vaccine rollout. What they are saying is that there are younger people who are taking these vaccines that are having adverse effect, re, re, that they are having adverse reactions to them. In some cases, fatal adverse reactions. Many of these people have been shut off and shut out of social media. They are charged with providing misinformation. As if somehow Facebook has experts that know everything about this pandemic, that know everything about every single vaccine and what is happening to people that take it. I can tell you that Facebook doesn't have that. Facebook nor Twitter. None of the social media sites are stacked up with the absolute truth on anything medical. That is not their profession. But yet they feel confident to censor people. You know, Robert Kennedy Jr., no, I know he's regarded as an as a, as a extreme anti-vaxxer. I know that. But he says that he has proof of the things that he says. Why not give him a fair shot 
at explaining his position. Why shut him down? They shut Robert Kennedy Jr. down. He's been thrown off Facebook, by the way. Just like they're trying to throw off liberals of TikTok. Because what what liberals of TikTok is doing, same thing. They're giving people information, but in the case of liberals of TikTok, they're actually doing it in the words of these liberals themselves. Especially when it comes to these gender, gender reassignment issues. So I just find it interesting that the CDC is admitting that they've made mistakes. At the same time, you have the NIH saying that they're going to cut off the award, the sub-award, meaning we're cutting off funding to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, even after they've been telling Americans that they were never funding it in the first place. You have the L.A. Times, as I mentioned earlier, saying that children shouldn't even have to tell their parents they're getting a vaccine, that their parents can't be trusted to act in their own children's best interest. You have four-year-old boy, a four-year-old boy being dragged out of school by police for not wearing a mask. You've got vaccine makers making billions of dollars. No one has transparency on where the money's going, who is getting wealthy from all of this, And no one asks very basic questions like, I thought a vaccine was supposed to prevent you from getting COVID. How are people with COVID having vaccine and booster and booster and booster and still getting COVID? I thought that's what the vaccine was, to prevent it. And if it's not to prevent it, then what is the vaccine for? I mean, it's a simple question. Why is it that people, nurses, doctors, especially frontline doctors, and if you don't know who frontline doctors are, Frontline doctors are doctors and nurses and medical practitioners who have been working outside of the traditional medical system because many of them fear for their livelihoods. They're the ones that are prescribing things like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and, and other things when people have with success rates that they say are tangible and provable, that they can replicate their success, which is supposed to be what science is about. But yet, they are banned from speaking freely on social media sites. Why is that? Why are doctors who are saying they are having effective treatments of a disease banned from telling the public about it? Why? In America. When at the same time we have the the CDC admitting that they were incompetent. We have the NIH admitting that they've been lying to us about this, their involvement in the Wuhan Institute of Virology where the coronavirus originated from. These are all questions that need to be answered, folks. Now, you look at what's happening at the FBI. Americans have lost faith with the FBI. You look what's happening with the CDC. We've lost faith in the ability of this government to tell us the honest, unvarnished, non-political truth about a disease that has affected this entire country. 
we don't have faith that these people are following the signs, that they're telling the truth. You have a media in this country that refuses to report on the activities of Democrats and liberals, and at the same time, you have a justice system that refuses to investigate liberals and refuses, and I'm talking about the Hunter Bidens of the world, the Hillary Clintons of the world, the Clinton Foundation. In fact, the FBI, there's a story in The Federalist today, and it takes the FBI apart. Tristan Justice is the author. He starts with the FISA warrants, which the FBI knew lacked credibility. He goes on through how the FBI misled Congress, how they misled Donald Trump. He talks about the Michael Flynn case and how that was a setup. The Roger Stone case raided by the FBI after being indicted by Mueller. CNN, camera crew happened to be the only network present at Stone's Fort Lauderdale home before sunrise, suggesting that the FBI had tipped them off in advance. But the FBI has refused to comply with open records requests. They talk about, he talks about, in this article, the January 6th issue where the FBI embarked on their nationwide manhunt, incarcerating demonstrators who've been declared such a threat to the republic over trespassing that they've been denied a fair and speedy trial and held in detention for more than 18 months. He talks about Kamala Harris and the lies that were told in the records that she was there for most of the part of January 6th, when in fact she wasn't. They talk about in this article the Hunter Biden suppression that the FBI was involved in, the Gretchen Whitmere plot. And if you don't know about this one, you will be surprised. This was a setup. The FBI was involved in creating this plot to entrap people from the right. They talked about the the Ralph Northam plot and how, again, FBI was involved in that to a degree that most people don't know about. The Senator Ted Stevens conviction, where the FBI and Mueller, by the way, railroaded Ted Stevens and did it right before an election to make sure he was thrown out of office. That's how we got Lisa Murkowski. And Ted Stevens ended up being innocent. But the FBI was involved in that. They go through the Representative Jeff Fortenberry conviction, the Pulse nightclub shooting in Florida. And that's an interesting one because the assassin there... had ties. His dad had ties to the FBI. And I know I'm not going off on any conspiracy stuff here, but they stopped looking at this guy because they were dealing with his dad. They're looking at the Texas synagogue attack and what happened there. Lady Al-Qaeda and her involvement. 
how the FBI has inflated extremism cases for political purposes. This is a comprehensive article. Kyle Rittenhouse, the FBI involvement there, and Larry Nasser abuse, the FBI turning a blind eye to that. Martha Stewart, how she was set up. James Rosen. Fox News, how they tracked him down to get at the reporter. And then, of course, lastly, the Mar-a-Lago raid. The FBI has a history here that cannot be ignored. And this is a great job, by the way, Tristan Justice. In fact, I'm going to try to see if we can get him on the show so he can talk about some of these things rather than me trying to read this very lengthy piece. But it is an expose on just the last decade of the FBI. And, folks, we can go further than that. There's another story today about a former FBI agent pleading guilty to charges related to the John Woods corruption trial. Former FBI agent accused of wiping the hard drive from his work computer. Well, now he's had to plead guilty to charges in federal court. FBI agent charged with corrupt destruction of record in an official proceeding. Why did he wipe the FBI? Why did he wipe his hard drive? To keep the information away from the court. When I say that this agency, and I've said it over and over again, the DOJ and the FBI, the most, two of the most corrupt agencies in our government, I mean it. And yet and still you have liberals demanding, Democrats are demanding now, that Republicans who talk badly about the FBI be investigated. Because supposedly those of us who talk badly about the FBI, well, we're inciting threats. And we must be investigated because we are responsible for an uptick in violent language directed toward the FBI, which is a bogus crap heap. Anyway, we're running behind. Let's get to a commercial, too. We'll be right back. James Golden, Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza, coming back to you right after this. Talk Radio 77. WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. You know who that is, Seal. Kissed by Rose. There used to be a gray and tower alone on the sea. dark side of me love remains a drug that's high enough to feel but did you know that when it snows my eyes become a light and the light that you shine can't be seen let's head back to the telephones joe and renee in staten island welcome how are you this morning very good hey y'all uh... I know you talked about Earth, Wind, and Fire. I think uh, you had a best friend uh, with the group. Yeah, I, well, my best friend plays with some other groups, but we had Philip Bailey on here twice uh, so far on the radio show, and we've enjoyed every minute of him. And, of course, I'm a huge uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire fan, 
went to see them in concert a bunch of times in the younger years back in the 80s. So what fun. What a great group. We were there last Sunday at PNC, and it's oh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Santana. And I don't know. My wife said she was on Facebook, and Bill O'Reilly was there. I don't know where he was. We were in the back under the tents, but it, it was a great show. Nice. So you enjoyed yourself, did you? Oh, definitely. Definitely. We've seen Santana there a number of times, and with, with Earth, Wind, and Fire, it was just like a nice uh, mix. You was know, Carlos was, was Carlos Santana there because you know he had uh, he had fallen ill recently and had to be hospitalized. Was he back on stage? Oh yeah, for sure. I don't know if they would go on without him. Uh, his son uh, was playing keyboards. It was very very good. He did a solo. He uh, his his uh, daughter uh, uh, Santana. I think Blackwell is her uh, married name. She played the drums, and I gotta say. She was really, really good. She wow. did a solo. Too. Yeah. It's a it's a family thing. I mean, I miss the old Santana uh, uh, with the uh, keyboard player. I think he went with uh, another group. Uh, what's the other group? I uh, can't think of Ron. Uh, I can't think of his name, but I, the keyboards is such a nice, in, you know, instrument in a group like that. And, you know, when they have the Leslie amplifier, I know. Oh, yeah, like the that. Leslie tone cabinets. Yes. Now, I got to tell you this, man. Uh, you know, Carlos Santana gets the older he gets, the better he gets. It's like a lot of guys start losing a little bit of speed or their chops diminish just a little bit. But you hear Carlos Santana today play, and especially on his records, it's better than when he started, which is almost hard to believe. He still has the spirit of a young guy playing the same kind of excitement, and he's just he continues to just get better and better. He went in different directions. I, I think with the spiritual album he had there, and then he kind of came back. You know his story, right, from uh, Mexico. He used to come over uh, the border, and then they would grab him and send him back. And I think Billy Graham saw him. And I think, uh, you know, tried to get him uh, as a, you know, uh, what do you call it, a citizen. And I think they did it. And, uh, yeah, was, and uh, even like the promoters had issues with him in the beginning with his songs because he had no vocals in there. And that's what they needed to do to make him, you know, a pop uh, pop group. But yeah, he's, he's had an amazing, amazing career. And so, did, of course, did Earth win. Hey, Joe, got to run here. I so thank you for hanging in there, and thanks for your call. Love hearing from you. Hope to hear from you again, Joe. Got it. Thanks. Thank you much. John in Westchester County, on with Bo Snerly here. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Good morning, Bo. Um, I was talking to two of my coworkers a, a while ago, and we were talking about the crime in New York City. And they live in New York. And they were unaware of the Democrats passing no, no cash bail, that you have these uh, judges that are uh, not prosecuting a serious offense, that Democrats are letting criminals out of prison. And it, was, it, it wasn't shocking. It's not like the mainstream media is going and pointing out to people, hey, it's the, the reason why crime is on the rise, not only in New York, but in Pennsylvania and in other cities, is because of Democratic Party's policies. And the Republican Party, 
needs to point that out. They need to take these videos of these criminals out there in the street causing harm and telling the people it's the Democratic policies, no cash bails, letting them out of prison. They're the ones that's causing these damages because the mainstream media is not talking about it, only the conservative media. That's right. Now, the Demo- this is where you need money, money, and you need to make the case and bypass the mainstream media and go directly to the people on the Internet, on television, and on radio. And this should be a central campaign in every state with blue cities, like New York, in every state where the Senate races are close. This needs to be an issue. So you're absolutely right, and we can never rely on the mainstream press to carry the message for Republicans, and they should know better. Now, I say all that. There was a huge article today about how it's implying that part of the reason why the Republicans are now in trouble with the Senate races is because of mismanagement of funds. They talk about how much money the Republican Senate campaign had raised, and right now they're pulling ads. They're, they're dropping some of their media because apparently they don't have enough money to get them through the season. And it is a disgrace. And what they're saying, in, even in this newspaper article that I read today, was that if this were a private business, there would be an audit. They talk about the amount of money the consultants have made, how some of the others have scored millions and millions of dollars, and how right now at this pivotal moment, the Republican Senatorial Committee does not have enough money to do what it needs to do, and it is a disgrace. And so we do need that kind of messaging out there. I hope, I hope that we get it. Let's go to Jay in Edison, New Jersey. Hi, Jay. Hi, Bo. Uh, Good morning. Uh, Mitch McConnell knows better. He's old enough. He's experienced enough, and he's doing it intentionally. He's torpedoing Trump candidates, Republican candidates, and he's doing it because he does not like them personally, I guess, and he really doesn't like Trump. And you never should ever say anything negative about your candidates that are going to run because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it also, if you don't believe in them and you're the Senate minority leader, then why should anyone else on the fence believe in them? Exactly. I think you have nailed a lot here. And I was stunned to hear Mitch McConnell go on national, a national TV program and say, well, you know, our candidates, it's a candidate quality issue. We don't have, we don't have quality candidates. Do you look at what the Democrats put up? Do you look at who the Democrats have in the Senate? This woman, Hirono, some of the other women in there, and you're going to talk about the quality of Republicans? I think you have just given us an insight into how that could have happened. Well, folks, our number two, said and done. Up in the next hour, Princess Di joins us. You always want to stick around for Princess Di. We're going to take more of your phone calls, too. Lots of phone calls coming up in the last hour, and we still have some uncovered as of yet news to get to. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We have hour number three coming up here on WABC. Remember, Larry Kudlow comes up after this show. Keep it here all day long, and we're coming right back after these words. It's 
James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And here we are, hour number trio, the third hour of our radio extravaganza this morning, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, and lots to do. If you'd like to be part of the program here in our third hour, 800-848-WABC is the number, 800 800- Eight four eight nine two two two. Yeah, lawmakers are demanding that social media firms address the threats to law enforcement. The leaders of two House panels sent letters on Friday to eight social media companies demanding they take immediate action to address threats on their platforms toward federal law enforcement officials after a surge in right-wing calls for violence. Who is issuing calls for violence? Following the FBI's search of former President Donald J. Trump's home in Florida, Carolyn B. Maloney, Democrat, New York, and Stephen F. Lynch, I wonder what the F stands for, Democrat of Massachusetts, I have a good idea, expressed concern about the reckless statement from Mr. Trump and Republican members of Congress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, we're not allowed to actually tell the truth about the FBI and talk about what the FBI has become under Democrat weaponization for years, starting with Obama, actually starting with Bill Clinton. That's how long that's been going on, from the Clinton years. Democrats have also, they're also lying to the American public about something else, that $739 billion tax and climate package that they passed. You know, at the top of the hour, if you heard Frank Diaz's report, you heard uh, Representative Maliotakis over in, uh, in Staten Island whining about the uh, the number of illegal immigrants that are coming through the southern border. And I agree with her. It, it should stop. Of course, we've been saying it all along. We had Todd Benzman on from the uh, Center for Immigration Studies, and he's been warning us all year. You can go to the On the Border podcast that I do with Todd Benzman, and you'll hear us early in this year warning that we were headed for record Ill- illegal immigration entries into the country If it doesn't stop, we may be looking at, by the time we get to this point next year, over 6 million, 6 million, already we have over 2 million, over 6 million illegal entries into the United States. So Congresswoman Miliotakis was right about that. We definitely need to stop that. I will never forget you, though, Congresswoman Miliotakis, you and a few other Republicans gave Joe Biden his lifeline when you signed up and you voted with Democrats for that phony infrastructure bill. And where is that infrastructure money? Any of it in Staten Island yet, by the way? Now, I know that she's got to run for a seat. And I said at the time that all of the 10 Republicans that went along with Democrats should be voted out of office in their primaries. She survived, so she's going to run. And I would never suggest that a Democrat take her seat in the general elections. But 
to me, that was unforgivable. And I still have hard feelings about that Congresswoman Malliotokas. But in all fairness, I have to say this about Congresswoman Malliotokas. She has been right more than she's been wrong. I've been following her votes all session long. She has been right more, a lot more, than she's been wrong. She's been voting as a conservative, except for that variation when she signed on with the Democrats for that stupid infrastructure bill. And that, by the way, came in a moment when Joe Biden's presidency could have been sunk. She, along with 10 other Republicans, gave Joe Biden a life preserver. To me, that is still, I don't understand how she could do such a thing, why she did such a thing, but hopefully she will win re-election. And I do hope she does win re-election. I would hate to see that seat ever go into the hands of a Democrat. Democrats are trying to rebrand their $739 billion, as I said, tax and climate bill. What they're saying, they're lying to people, they're saying that this bill that they just signed is going to lead to American energy independence. And what a crock that is. We had energy independence with Donald Trump. One of the first things that Democrats did was throw it away. They stopped the pipeline, the XL pipeline. Remember that? Ever since then, gas prices have been going up. Now, they've trickled down just a little bit, but they're still higher than they were when President Trump was in office. Energy is still hurting the cost of energy, American people. And what the Democrats are going to issue in with all these slush funds, this $739 billion, a lot of it is slush funds for Democrat groups and for their cronies. This is crony capitalism, pork at its best. And don't expect us to ever have energy independence if Democrats are in charge because they're not interested in that. We talked about California earlier and their response to the COVID, calling the police out on a four-year-old boy because he wouldn't wear a mask. Yeah, that's California. But here's something else out of Sacramento. California would have what proponents call the nation's most sweeping law to seal criminal records. Gavin Newsom, the bill is before him, is awaiting his signature. Now, what it would do, it would automatically seal the conviction and arrest records for most criminals, most ex-offenders in California if they are not convicted of another felony for four years after completing their sentences or any parole. So if the felons in California manage to not get caught for four years, then their record will be sealed. Why? Because they don't want people asking and learning of their criminal history when they apply for jobs. Well, doesn't that put the employer at a disadvantage? Of course it does. He doesn't know about the person that he's going to hire or she will hire because that information will be sealed. 
Now, this was done, and, and Florida is the first state to go this far. But nationwide, 37 states and more than 150 American cities have adopted laws preventing employers from asking candidates about their criminal histories prior to a job offer. This law would go further by automatically sealing convictions for criminals if they meet certain requirements. What do you think about that? Those of you business owners, what do you think? Should you be banned from learning that the person you may be hiring has a felony record? Would it matter to you? Is that something that you would care about, knowing that you're about to hire an ex-felon? Or is it unfair? Because it doesn't give the felon a fair opportunity to get a job. Democrat State Senator Maria Elena Drasso said in a statement that the lingering criminal records available through background checks create a permanent underclass. That underclass, she said, can uh, include mothers that want to pursue new careers through education, fathers who want to coach homeowners that will join their want to join the HOA board, couples who may want to adopt, or grandchildren that want to care for their elderly parents. And they all can't do that, you see, if word of their felonious background, of their criminal background, were made known. So let's just stop telling people, you know, let's them hide the fact that they were convicted felons. Federal judge on Thursday partially blocked Florida officials from in from enforcing the state's law against mandatory workplace trainings about race and sex that could make some people feel guilt or anguish. This is what they in Florida call the Stop Woke Act. Basically, what they're trying to do is shut down all of the CRT business, not just in schools, but in the workplace, all this forced racial sensitivity training that basically says white people are evil, responsible for all the evils in the world, and you're not supposed to like white folks. So a judge has now stepped in and issued a temporary injunction injunction against Florida officials that want to stop all that kind of stuff as being mandatory in the workplace. They're saying it's a free speech issue. Uh, Those of you on TikTok, you should be interested to learn this. TikTok browser can track users' keystrokes. So if you use TikTok, the web browser used within the TikTok app, they can track every single keystroke you make. Isn't that nice? The Chicoms, that's who, who, who runs TikTok. It's the Chicoms. And so what's the big deal if they find out every single keystroke that you use? Hmm? How could that possibly end up bad? 
Twitter is now saying that their employees might only get half of the bonus that they're due this year. Revenue is declining for the first time since 2020. The company, Twitter, now is running with losses. And the lawsuit goes on with Elon Musk. They want him to complete the $44 billion he offered up for Twitter. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Boston Early, Saturday morning. Radio Extravaganza continues. We've got more to go. Your phone calls, too. So don't go away. Coming right back. Radio 77, it's time for a Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I have been looking forward to this since we spoke with Her Royal Highness yesterday. <laughs> Today is the day that she, our royalnessness, tells us what is on her mind as she looks across the vast plains, the hamlets, the cities, and the <laughs> states that make up this great nation of her subjects. <laughs> So, Your Highness, we bow and we bow low, and we await your words of wisdom. What's up, Your Majesty? Oh, my goodness. So wonderful to hear your voice again, Sir James. Thank what would you, you like me to start with? I, have I want you to start with wh- whatever you want to. Okay. Okay. What's the- I'll tell you the three stories that I have been really enjoying this week, and I would love to basically spend some time in them because they're so delightful. The first one is how Cheney really won. The second one is Biden on a roll. And the third one is the Donald versus the old crow, which is the uh, Trump versus Mitch McConnell that you've been sort of referencing that I really find interesting. And the first two have been so delightful that the Cheney really won is the leftist view of the election results of Liz Cheney, who lost by almost 40 points, which is the worst in 100 years for anybody in, a, in any kind of primary, she only garnered 28.9% of her party's vote. Now, and she even had some crossover Democrats in there. But she lost decisively uh, to Harriet Hagman, who had been endorsed by Trump, who got 66% of the vote. And the result of this complete wipeout has been the left just uniformly declaring her having really won. And my favorite one is George Conway, who's Kellyanne's uh, husband, who was anti-Trumper. And this is what he tweeted, that Liz Cheney won the general election for dignity. (laughs) (laughs) These people have made up their own election, the election for dignity, and say that Liz Cheney really won. They are praising her as a hero, a profiling courage or bravery. She won history's respect. And a journalist named Tom Becker said that 
that Liz Cheney's concession speech will be studied by historians for generations. <laughs> so, Why? For what? They, well, because they just are madly in love with anyone who goes up against Donald Trump. There's something that triggers in their mind of just happiness and joy if anyone. And you notice this over the whole history of Trump being in the public um, life since his uh, campaign of 2015 started. is just when anyone stands up against him or criticizes him, they become such a hero. It's the passions are aw- awakened by the left. And so she's the latest one. She's the new Avenatti, you know, possible presidential candidate that they put up. You know, the thing is, it reminded me of how delusional they are. They basically cannot cope with the reality that, you know, these people who are always talking about our democracy. And, you know, Steve Bannon had a great line. He said, well, they've just gotten a democracy suppository with this (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that. (laughs) But it reminded me, do you remember in the late 90s and the early 200s, the TV show West Wing? Do you remember the left? They lived in that TV show. They loved President Martin Sheen, and they would actually take it seriously as their alternative reality when uh, Bush was president, W was president, and they couldn't cope with the reality of who really was president, who really had won. And so they lived in this television show. Well, they are now living in their delusions that Cheney really won, that she has presidential uh, perspirations, (laughs) as Rush used to say, and that, you know, the Biden is on a roll. That's the second story that they came up with this week, that Biden is on fire. He is just absolutely killing it, and he is saving the party. And these are the things that they point to. The Supreme Court decision uh, overturning Roe versus Wade, the falling gas prices, which have gone down 40 cents a gallon, I think, the racking up of legislative victories like Finland and Sweden being entering into NATO, the CHIP legislation, the burn pits legislation, the Inflation Reduction Act, which are, you know, things you've covered that they were able legislatively to to win thanks to Manchin turning tail. But the media has helped them by saying that we're really not in a recession. We're in a vibe session. I don't know if you've seen these stories. Yes, I saw that. A vibe session. (laughs) Yes, it's just bad vibes. People are gloomy for no reason. Everything is really good. CNN actually ran a piece today that with this 40 cents a gallon decrease in gas prices, that American families have gotten a hundred dollars a month raise or a hundred dollar a month tax cut because filling up their gas uh, tank is now a hundred dollars a month cheaper than it was last week in their mind. So the you know the media is doing this crazy Biden on a roll thing with this dark Brandon meme. Yes, I yes, I've been this. watching that. Dark Brandon finally <laughs> found his mojo. And the, and, and, and the stupid White House is, I mean, I shouldn't say stupid. 
the White House came out with this whole dark branding thing. Like they've taken it and we've we've turned around the whole branding thing. Now it's dark branding. Like they really think that people are running around thinking that Joe Biden is some kind of a good villain because he's not dark branding. Well, they've been doing a lot of stories concurrent with that. With Biden putting back on his aviator sunglasses, how this is symbolic, how he is just so powerful. So they are living in, you know, basically the West Wing TV show in two areas, in the defeat of their favorite candidate in Wyoming and in the supposed Biden on fire success that's going to bring in a Democrat uh, Congress again. So those two things have been enjoyable because it's not true, which is why we can find this delicious, because they are going to get bit in the butt on when actual votes happen. You know, democracy is something that is not their friend. They, that's why they have to <laughs> cheat. That is why they have to lie. And so this, you know, this inevitably is going to be not the outcome that they are expecting. They're always shocked when actual people actually vote. So my third story, which I know you've been talking about. Yes, this to me has been a long simmering uh, fight that I've been I've been following for quite a while. Uh, New York Times in February ran a piece inside McConnell's campaign to take back the Senate and thwart Trump. Senator McConnell is working furiously to bring allies to Washington who will buck Trump. It is not going according to plan. And that was starting in the beginning of the year that that McConnell has been furious about what he called goofball candidates that Trump endorsed. And so he's been putting money and, uh, you know, encouragement to other people. Now, he has happened to have lost everyone, which is really interesting. And now he's mad. And as we talked about yesterday, Molly, Molly uh, put, Hemingway put a article out basically taking him to the woodshed for not encouraging and helping his own candidates. And so this has come out into the open. But I've got a detail which is going to infuriate you on top of all the things you've been seeing about the quotes that McConnell has about, you know, these inferior quality candidates. This was reported in the New York Times on the 15th, just a few days ago. And here's the headline. Senate GOP campaign arm slashes TV ad buys in three states. Yep. And this is about money that has been taken from three states, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And so these are the candidates that are the quote-unquote goofball candidates, according to Mitch McConnell. These are MAGA candidates, Trump-supporting candidates, and, and Mitch McConnell is deliberately steering money away from them. And do you know what name does not occur in this New York Times piece? Senator Rick Scott, who is the chairman of this money uh, committee, National Republican Senatorial Committee, and you and I had a debate about about Senator Rick Scott and his 10, you know, proposals that were supposedly conservative sounding. And I said to you, you watch what he does with the money. Now, his name doesn't appear in this article in The New York Times, but he's in charge of it. And he is Mitch McConnell's minion. 
And he has taken money away from very important races. You've got Blake Masters, who won the primary, who is the MAGA candidate, versus Mark Kelly, the Democrat, who is Gabby Gifford's husband. Then in Pennsylvania, you have Mamet Oz. Oz versus John Fetterman. Mamet Oz is struggling. And in Wisconsin, this to me is the most vile. This is the incumbent Ron Johnson, who is a Trump supporter, who is really being hurt by the money of his own party being taken away from him. And so to me, you see the, the, the nature of the Republican establishment in the Senate. And, you know, my view is, first of all, it's too early to say you've got the Wizards of Smart already blaming Trump for the Senate loss, which, of course, is not even close to being happening yet. It's too early. The polls are fake that are showing a lot of these problems. A lot of them are, are unfortunately, Fox News polls who have who really have been negatively affecting. And the third thing is, okay. If the Senate does not go Republican, what difference does it make? I, I know that you're going to uh, argue with me on that. But even when the Senate is 100 percent run by the Republican Party, supposedly, you know, you've got Mitch McConnell during doing a lot of sabotage for conservative policies. So that is my 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 third story, which I'm enjoying because. Mitch McConnell is losing. All of Trump's candidates are winning, his endorsed candidates. And the best revenge for all of this is when they win the general election. And that is going to be delightful. Well, I hope Senator Johnson manages to pull it out. I did. I'm, I'm aware of what you're saying about the money coming out. And to me, it goes deeper than that. You know, I've been complaining about the way that Republicans handle donor money. Right. 13 million of the money that they have raised has already 13 million, Diana, that they have raised to supposedly help the senators win reelection is already in the pockets of consultants. Number one. Right. OK, so number. That's so again. once again, once again, the consultant class gets rich as all can be. And now Mitch, at the same time that McConnell is pulling money out of these three critical races. He is using his his own pack to put money behind the ones that he likes. So this is just a total. Uh, this is a mess, and I hope well, that not Donald- really because listen, Mitch McConnell is the most unpopular senator in America by the morning consult poll. He is down at the bottom. He is below every Democrat in popularity. He does not have the clout that he thinks he does. He does not have the clout that he used to have. And that, to me, is really uh, the sunshine is breaking through by these MAGA candidates getting to where they are. There are nominees. And the fact that Mitch McConnell is mad makes me happy. And the fact that Mitch McConnell is mad means we're going to win anyway. Well, I hope that you're right about this. Let us continue this dialogue uh, in the weeks ahead. I have my concerns. I have my concerns about Ron Johnson's race because he is desperately, the Democrats are putting tons of money there to try to beat him. And he needs all the help that he can get from Republicans and from MAGA if he's going to win this. And I hope he does. It's going to be a tight race. But, um, and Mehmet Oz is going to be a tight race. I'm surprised yep. that, that they're not 
um, putting Herschel Walker's race in there, too, because the, the, the establishment Republicans don't like Herschel Walker either. They'd rather see T- Stacey Abrams pull it out than even have Herschel Walker win. These people just, they, <clears throat> words fail. Yeah, but the good guys do win. So I think that is the thing to watch. I think we need to have eyes open because follow the money. you got to see where they're putting their money, and you know what their character is. And it's not good. So we will win anyway. That's the mission. All right. Princess Di, as always, a pleasure. We look forward to having uh, the pleasure again with you next week. Thank you. Thank you, Sir James. Your Majesty. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Sternley, back with you. Our Saturday morning radio extrava continues with your calls coming up after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Sternley, is on the air. 77 WABC. Hold the line. WABC Talk Radio 77. Music Radio Tonight, Cousin Brucey. Larry Cudlow up next after this. Our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And your calls are coming up right now. Let us start with Andrew in Stanhope, New Jersey. Hello, Andrew. Hey, how's it going? Last week, you mentioned Ron Carver, the great bass player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did yes. sound for him. I worked at the Newark Museum, and I would do, like, tech stuff and, you know, sound in the theater. So Jazz in the Garden, he performed, and I was his sound guy. He was great. And uh, WBGO in Newark, New Jersey, the jazz radio station, they were affiliated with the museum and Sheila Anderson, one of the, the directors at BGO and DJ, she worked at the museum also. So she would book all the great jazz musicians. And I love, I loved like the Latin jazz was cool. You know, I love the percussion speaking of Santana, you know, the percussion was, was, was great. It was fun. You know, the outdoor concerts, but it sounded great because it was an enclosed, like area, a garden that had big trees, you know, so like the sound didn't really echo, you know, it was just oh, a great. Oh, must have been beautiful. Great. And Ron Carter and, is uh, certainly, for those who know him, who know who we're talking about here, Ron Carter has just had an amazingly brilliant career, upright bassist, and I mean, he is just the perfection as an artist. So I'm sure you did enjoy that concert. He's nice, like he's humble, but he has the air of like, you know, like uh, dignity or, or, you know, like he's one of the greats. He doesn't have like a diva attitude, but you can tell like, oh, this guy's one of the masters at his craft. He's one of the 
great. And it was, you know, a pleasure, you know, seeing him and working with him that little, that day. And, um, but I want to say with the uh, abortion, you're one of the few that frame it correctly because others, John Stossel or others say the bedroom, don't tell me what to do in the bedroom, (laughs) but no one's telling you what to do or not do in the bedroom. You're talking about a separate life, a separate person. The baby is, and in the third trimester or even before, the baby could live independently out of the womb. So it's a separate person that you're talking about. You're not talking about sexuality or what a person can and cannot do. So you're coming to it more honestly, which I I like that you frame it honestly. Thank you so much. I do appreciate the call very, very much. Thank you. Let us turn to Gracie, my Gracie. Gracie, how are you in Rockland County, Gracie? How are you, my beau? Listen, he would be so proud of you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Why am I calling? I'm calling because I cannot stand these never Trumpsters. That's where, and Democrats, that's where we are different. We look for the greater good. I was mad at that uh, Congresswoman Melakakis, but we got to realize she's better than the opposition. But right. the Never Trumpsters do not realize that. What is wrong with them, Bo? They are establishment, and they hate the. Re- they, they hate. The rank-and-file Republicans, the rank-and-file MAGA people, they mischaracterize, mischaracterize us the same way that James Carville does. Did you hear James Carville uh, this week saying that the Republicans, oh, these are a bunch of stupid idiots, these people are so stupid, they don't... Right, well, the establishment Republicans think of us the same way. They don't understand that we are not only educated and well-steeped in the Constitution of the United States, but the, the idea of America first offends these people. It offends them to their core. They consider themselves elder statesmen of the country, and they don't have these sort of nationalist views that many of us have. These people are just total establishment. And as I said, we have to hold our nose and vote for them, whether it's the, the, the Mitt Romneys, whether it's the, the, the John McCain's, but they they in their elite world will never hold their nose and vote for a Donald Trump. No, they'll run and join their Democrat buddies and do everything they can to defeat him. Gracie, these, these, these rhino Republicans are sickening. Now, Maliotakis, I think, again, I've been following her record ever since she made that initial vote, which I was furious about. Now she has voted conservative. I made a mistake earlier. I said the primary is coming up with that. The congressional primary is coming up. I think she's going to win the primary handily. And at that point, I think that Republicans should just coalesce around her and make sure that she you know, retains that seat. That would be in the best interest of the Republican Party. I am still going to be furious over that vote. However, since that vote, she has demonstrated over and over again that she is voting as many of us would expect a true conservative to vote. So that's all I can say about her. But I am still angry over her and the other 10 Republicans throwing Joe Biden a lifeline with this stupid infrastructure bill, which had nothing to do with infrastructure, which is just a money grab to give to Democrats. And I still want to know from the congresswoman, hey, 
where's the infrastructure money in Staten Island? How are you spending it all? Because I bet you none of it ended up in her district, or if it did, it's just a little trickle of it. Gracie, thank you so much. Let us go to Ann in Staten Island. How are you, Ann? You're in Staten Island. Yes, I am, Bo. Um, you mentioned Nicole Malatakis. Now, I've been in, in involved with her, you know, following her since she was up in Albany as an assemblywoman. And what I don't understand is all this talk about the primary and against Max Rose, there's somebody else that's running in the Republican primary, and he gets absolutely no attention whatsoever. I have seen videos, and I know this woman. I've met with her. She doesn't even know what's in bills that she has co-signed. Um, she, there's a video where she expresses regret for voting for President Trump. She was never even a Trump supporter. She didn't do anything to help the union workers who were losing their jobs. Um, and yet there's somebody that's also running in, in, in the primary, and he has absolutely gotten zero attention. He's a conservative. He's a young man. He was a health worker. He's been fighting to get the jobs back for the Go ahead workers. and mention his name. Go ahead and tell us. His name is John, and the last name is M-A-T-L-A-N-D, Matt Land. Okay. And an incredible, you know, John Matt Land. And he's always supported Trump. He was at my house. He stopped by the other day because I wanted to sign. And we were talking about these videos that people seem to ignore. I remember a video where she was being interviewed. I think it was by New York One. And they said to her, well, how do you feel about what Trump is doing? And she said, well, I really don't know what he's doing. This is a person that, that people want to put faith in. She's in La La Land. And like I said, I know her going back to when she was an assemblywoman. The last time she was running for something, God forgive me, Bo, I'm 80 years old. Never did this in my life. I didn't vote for her. I didn't vote for Rose Max. I didn't vote for either one of them. I, I just can't bring myself to even vote for her. I have been voted since, uh, since I was able to vote. And this is how much I dislike this woman. I met with her on a piece of legislation. I mentioned something in the bill that I wanted to discuss. She denied it was even in the bill. I'm holding a copy of it in my hands. And she doesn't even know what she's signing. She doesn't know what's in it. No, I'm sorry. I'm sure that she may win this primary, but I tell you, I will do everything I can to get this guy, John Madeline, one day before I die to get him in Congress and her out. Because she is a phony, and she goes with the. She was never even endorsed by President Trump. She well, never. I, ever, well, that doesn't surprise me because of the way that she went to vote with Joe Biden and the Democrats. She gave him a lifeline. Yes, to me, that's just yes. unforgivable, and I, I I didn't didn't understand it then. I don't understand it now. There's a website that that I was on. And it shows every single legislator that Trump has supported. It's a very lengthy website. And let me tell you something, her name is not even on it. So she doesn't, she's not useful. You are a yeah. treasure, Anne. You are a treasure. Love you. Thank you for calling. I want to hear from you again, okay? 
that WABC should give a little more attention to this guy. He's not the only one running. But thank you, Bo. I love your show. <laughs> thank you, Ann. Love you. Thank you so much. James Gogan, A.K. Snurley, we have time for more calls. We're going to take more calls. we got to take care of a little business first. Coming right back after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Phil and Phil record, Phil Collins and Philip Bailey, easy lover. On WABC Talk Radio 77, let's head back to the telephones, Lou in Morris County. How are you? Hi, James. How are you? Great to talk to you. I got on uh, I got on with your show a couple of weeks back when you interviewed uh, George Benson, and I was actually able to catch the concert at Seaside Heights last Sunday which was uh, was quite excellent. Um, I didn't realize that he's 79 years old now, and he came out and did about um, two hours with a three-tune encore. But the thing I was a little disappointed in is he didn't play very much, and I was wondering maybe he, he might have had um, maybe a little bit of infirmity in his hands, but uh, the voice was excellent. I was, I was shocked that he was as strong as he was at that age, and the band was outstanding. They had quite a good crowd. And, uh, you know, it was great to hear him do all his hits through the years. I didn't realize that he had about uh, probably about 20, 20 uh, tunes that had hit the charts through the years, you know, on the pop and R&B circuit. But, uh, again, I followed his career since 1974. And, uh, again, just a little disappointed that he didn't play much. And I was wondering if uh, – if you might have had any insight there, because, you know, his, I don't. His and that's is always the guitar. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any insight, but I'm glad that you did have a chance. You know, 79, it's not easy. He's been playing all his life. You heard him when he was on the interview. He's been playing since he was seven years old. So 79, what a career. But I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed the concert. I'm glad you made it out there. And, you know, who knows? And even if it was something, you know, arthritis or something like that, maybe it was just a bad day. But I'm glad it was still a great concert for you. It sure was. Great. You have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, Lou. Appreciate it so much. Let us go to Stu in Brooklyn. Stu, welcome. How are you? Hey, good morning, Bo. Uh, I love Van, but God, she went on too long. Oh, oh people are really... Uh, oh, much. she was By wonderful. Way, She's a treasure. Don't you Bo, go on too long now. Tell us what's on your mind. I'm 86. Uh, Nicole Maui, Nicole Maui caucus, uh, her vote, uh, it's covered by something, a guy who probably knew uh, Willow Rogers said a long time ago, we got the best politicians money could buy. And her vote was basically about getting money for the uh, tunnel, uh, across the New York Harbor for the, uh, the trains, the freight trains. Which is ridiculous as far as I'm concerned because it's obsolete before they even finish it. And a better alternative and a more practical alternative with a lim- less limiting than a uh, uh, beginning and an end in, uh, in Brooklyn or wherever would be uh, short sea shipping where you're using the container barges to move traffic all the way up uh, the Hudson and up into Long Island Sound. The other, uh, the other thing, the, the wonderful Democrats and their wonderful concern for children 
It's heartwarming, except that the stupid the bill they passed didn't have a penny in it for school safety, for cameras, for uh, supporting uh, armed guards, uh, off-duty cops, and so on to protect the, the children they're so con- con- concerned yeah. about. Yeah, and phonies. you, Stu, you nailed it. Thank you. Man, oh, man, these callers are awesome on this show. Love you guys. Let us go to Robert in Westchester. Hi. I I liked your title, Sir James. That's great. Thank you. So uh, I was thinking about Mitch McConnell's comment, and I knew an attorney a while back who turned out to become a disbarred attorney, and he saw me taking something personal, and he said to me, Robert, look at where it's coming from. So I say about what everybody's concerned about Mitch McConnell, look at where it's coming from. He's talking about the the lack of quality that he is. Ah. That's who he's calling trying to make everybody else look bad. And these people depend on the fact that most people only listen, have a seven-second soundbite they listen to for their news. They have a very short attention span, and they make conclusions about life and everything in the world about them from that. Thank you. I so appreciate the call, Robert. Let us go to Charlotte, North Carolina, and Jerry. Jerry, how are you this morning? Thank you so much for taking my call. Two things very quickly. Um, I'm, it's, I find it very interesting that one thing we haven't been hearing recently, oh, Ronna McDaniel. Wasn't she being hailed <laughs> as such a fabulous fundraiser? It, it breaks my heart when President Trump supports people that are just complete despicable weasels, and I put her on that list. The Whoa. other thing about Maliotakis, um, I grew up from in New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey. I moved to Charlotte, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. But about Maliotakis, I, I disagree with you. She may vote everything else conservative, but when push comes to shove and it's about saving Democrats, she stamps us in the back. And I, I hope you, I hope other influential Republicans, conservatives will get behind this, this John Matlin and start talking him up because he could still win. She does not deserve at any of our support. Well, I will tell opinion. you what. When she voted with the Democrats and Joe Biden and she threw with those 10 other Republicans and she threw Joe Biden a lifeline. And that was his, remember, that was his first legislative victory. That infrastructure bill that spends very little money on infrastructure and most of it on slush money for Democrat groups. I had a cow and I'm still having a cow about it. I don't understand how anybody that claims to be a conservative could do that, knowing what was in that bill and what wasn't in that bill. So, as I say, I've been following her since and following the votes, but uh, I'm still really upset over that. So. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate the call very, very much. Let us go to Bob in Keyport, New Jersey. How are you, Bob? Make it quick, please. Real quick. Joe Biden wrote 17 orders his first day. One of them was shutting off Alaska, California, and the Gulf of Mexico. Okay, go grab another caller. You're great, Bob. Thank you so much. I'm not going to go grab another caller because I want to just do something here in the last few minutes of the show. Um <clears throat> As many of you know, I grew up in St. Albans, Queens, and I grew up at a time in St. Albans, Queens was just a beautiful place to grow up in. The neighborhood was changing uh, rapidly, in fact, since we were kids. But 
it is a neighborhood that I grew up in with such fond memories, and all of it. I mean, we had in our existence in Queens, I suppose we lived like many other normal middle-class families in America lived. The church was a big part of our life, going to church, going to choir rehearsal, going to Sunday school, going to school and and trying to advance through elementary school, having a mom and dad in the house that were very, very loving, very supportive of what we kids wanted to do, even from the time we were young. I mean, I remember my folks saying to us, you know, you could be anything that you want to be. This is America. And remember, folks, this was in the days when the Civil Rights Movement was just taking off when I was coming up, and, and then we went through that whole period. But we also had neighbors in the in the neighborhood, St. Albans, Queens, and across the street from where we lived was, it was almost a mirror image in a way of our own family. Uh, there was a family, the Rogers. It was Alice Rogers and J.D. J.D. used to work for a, a bus company, one of the bus companies, Jamaica Buses, And then he got a calling and became a pastor. His wife, Alice, belonged to the same church that we went through, Grace United Methodist Church. And they had two sons, my brother and I, and we were all the same age. Their youngest son was my age. Their oldest son was my older brother's age. So from the time we were about five or six years old, we lived right across the street. We stayed at each other's houses just like we were one family, Daryl and Victor Rogers. And Mrs. Rogers was like a second mom to all of us. Mrs. Rogers was that hip mom. You know, there's always a mom in the neighborhood that's hip. She was beautiful. I always remember looking at her, even as kids, you know, you know beautiful women. She was a beautiful woman, beautiful. She was just beautiful, but she was also a real mom. It was Miss Rogers that took us out when we were teenagers to our first nightclub so that she could be with us. It was Miss Rogers, not our dads. Mrs. Rogers took us out and gave us and brought a bottle when it was time when we were old enough to have our first drink. It was her under her supervision. She would take us to the Boston Road ballroom up in the Bronx. We'd watch this band Sammy Gordon, the hip huggers, and all of that stuff. So many fond memories. Uh, She was a remarkable woman. She was patient with all of us, loving with all of us, truly our second mom. And later on, we would be in a band. There were 13 of us in the band, and we used to practice at their house. We used to do, you know, it was just an amazing childhood, in part because many of us growing up had our parents, but we also had people like Mrs. Rogers, Mrs. Jones in the neighborhood, and others. Mrs. Rogers passed away this week. And I just wanted to say to her sons, Daryl and Victor, how much we love your mom, all of us, and how much we will miss her, and how wonderful she is for all of us. She's like our mom, too. And God bless you, Mrs. Rogers. You are safe in God's palace now. We'll be back on Monday.
For Bo Snurley's Rush Hour at 4 o'clock, may God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. See you later. Bye. Thank you.